Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We're really glad you're here today. And we'd also love it if you left a rating and review when you finish listening to this episode. Or if you want to press pause and go do that right now, if you're not driving, that would be great. Uh, We love to read those. And the reason we love to read them is because it helps us get better. Uh, We want to hear what you think of the podcast and we want to serve you well with it. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood. And as per usual, producer Nathan is in the screen. That's right. What's up, everybody? (laughs) We're excited about this episode because we have personal friend, friend of Lifeway, Brett Perkins with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Brett, songwriter, worship leader from West Tennessee, growing up sports and outdoors is all he knew, but over time, music became his passion. And for the past 10 years, he's traveled the country leading worship at various camps, events, and churches. Some of those with our camps through uh, Fuge and what we do with Lifeway Uh, in a world where truth is relative and clarity is seemingly absent. Brett has given his life to writing and leading clear truth for people to cling to and proclaim. Brett is the founding member of the band Journey Worship Co. and serves as the worship pastor at the Journey Church in Lebanon, Tennessee, where he lives with his wife, Megan, and three boys, Keaton, Griffey, and Lewis. And if you didn't pick up on that, there's some baseball theming in those names. Brett, we're super pumped to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for making time, man. Dude, I'm so pumped to be here, and you read that so well. (laughs) That is me. (laughs) I love it. Full disclosure, right out of the gate, Brett is a fellow Cardinals fan, and so if we deviate into that a little bit, you'll have to forgive us in advance, but I just want to put that out there. Also, through Journey Worship, you guys have a new album that's that's recently come out. Take just a second, tell everybody about that, how they can... Uh, how they can find it and kind of what the heart was in creating that worship music. Yeah. So in 2020, we, as a team, we started writing within our church. We, we saw that as everybody could see, you know, through the news or whatever, Twitter, social media, whatever, we saw that truth was becoming obviously relative and the clarity around truth was absent uh, just as you had just read. And so we thought, you know, we can't, we can't impact or, or we can't control how far the impact is in this, but we can control writing truths for our people. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to steward this conviction of writing clear truths within our walls. And so we started doing that. We started writing songs within our church, you know, truths that derive straight from scripture. So this first record is just a compilation of all of these truths that we wrote for our people. And yeah, it's out for the world on all digital platforms. There you go. I love about it that it is first and foremost songs that you guys wrote for your church and what you theologically wanted to proclaim, yeah, missionally wanted to proclaim for your people. And that's a unique thing. Like, hey, this is for us. And if you guys out in the world want to also enjoy and participate and worship through that's great, but we're doing this for our church and what we believe God is teaching us. And I, man, I think that's refreshing and a great approach to this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. It's been so unifying for our team. Just just speaking as a worship pastor, you know, when, when COVID hit, we had so many creatives and we were trying to figure out like, how do you retain creatives when there's nothing going on? (laughs) 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, and like, I mean, brass taxes, they also like they're traveling musicians and the hardest industries that were hit was the music industry and the service industry. And a lot of times if you're in the music industry, you're also in the service industry. <laughs> so yep, that's true. Uh, so they all like lost jobs and all the things. And so um, it was such a fun, unifying task. And I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a task very loosely because it was more of a gift than anything mm-hmm. to be able to create. There was so much discipleship involved as well, like being able to write these truths together. You're spending three hours on each song, which is essentially three hours on one theme, trying to articulate the things of God inside that theme better. And yeah. that's how I encourage the team. Like if even if no songs is, is a, a kind of a twofold approach, if only people are the ones singing these songs, that's enough. But even if no songs are written, is there a better way of spending your three hours than trying to articulate the things we've got better with one another? Yeah, and I that's would say good. No. So it's been fun, man. And I'm, I'm so proud of the team. I'm proud of the product. I'm grateful to the Lord to be a part of what's going on at the Journey Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. <laughs> man, it's a great church in our area. And the Lord is doing some, some cool stuff through that church. And we wanted to talk today. And I think you're because of the way that you view worship and you've heard a little bit of Brett's vision and heart behind his view of worship just already in this podcast, we wanted to talk to you about students worshiping and carving out space for students to worship together and the importance of students in worship and even a a separate environment for students to worship together, knowing that you do that in some camp environments and at some points along the way through your work at Journey, we wanted to have that conversation with you because you see thousands of students every year in worship environments. And so let's start off just with the broad question, like what are the benefits of having a student only worship service? Now, again, we're not saying they should be separate all the time. And I I think there's actually some unhealthiness if they're separated all the time from corporate family worship, but what are some benefits of carving out that space for them to be together in those moments of worship? Yeah, I think it's good to to address the unhealthy side. There are, you know, some churches would say they wouldn't say it, but they'd overemphasize maybe the importance of students meeting alone, even over a meeting as a corporate body. And I would mm-hmm. argue that that's that is unhealthy because they need to see their parents worshiping. They need to see people in different stages of their life worshiping because they're they're rising adults. They are yeah. adults. They're just younger adults. And so yeah. even though they, in an odd way, they wouldn't fit in the young adult category. I don't really know how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. but yeah, I think, I think the biggest importance that I see with a student service, a student gathering is, you know, the Christian life generally, especially in this world, can be really lonely and hard, especially in like public, uh, public school, even in private school, you know, like whatever, whatever environment you're in, this world kind of ostracizes Christians. And so it's good for students to be around other students, seeing that they're not alone in what they believe. Like it's a powerful thing. And we say this a lot at our church. It's a powerful thing when the people of God agree on the things of God, or they agree on the truths of God. And it's powerful because they're truths that shape us. It's also powerful because you see that you're not alone in what you believe. Mm. I know you're a CrossFit guy. 
And yeah. yes, I'm, I'm bringing it up. I, I think <laughs> it's easier. It's way easier to do hard things when other people are doing it with you than yeah. doing hard things alone, knowing that you're the only one. You feel like you're crazy. Yeah. And especially right. when, when faith is involved, believing in the things that are unseen, to see other people believing and giving their lives to it. I think that's the biggest, that's what church is all about. It's the gathering of the saints, believing on the truths of God together. Yeah. And I think when you, when you focus in on students, I was saying a little bit before we, we hit record, like you focus in on students, it's the same thing as like the reason there's parent conferences and the reason there's, you know, other, other conferences that, that focus in on certain groups. It's good for people to realize, man, I'm, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Man, I love the way you articulate that. That's like hard things are easier to do together than, than on your own. I mean, we could say that student pastors, like you've heard us talk over and over and over about the difficulty of the calling and how you need a community of people to stick in it and to, to lead a ministry and isolation is, uh, is a trap of the enemy and all you, like we've talked all around those things. And man, I think that's a great point about students worshiping together and seeing like, Hey, as a 14 year old, who's trying to follow Jesus and figure life out at the same time, like I'm not the only one in this place. So how do you approach the worship environment and like you're leading in that to make sure that they grasp those things? Because I think in some situations, it's probably possible to get in a worship environment and sing the songs, do the stuff and people leave without grasping. Here's why we're here. Yeah. So how do you think through helping students make that connection? Yeah. So I actually, in any environment, whatever it might be, um, and you can, you might be able to hear my kid in the background. So I'm sorry. It's all good, man. All good. In any environment that I'm in, I actually don't change how I lead. I don't believe in a junior Holy spirit. Our church, Mm. we, we, preach that. We don't believe in a junior Holy Spirit. I think worship is a response to truth Mm. and truth is found in the word of God. And if our worship is in response to a person or to human initiation, we are producing and teaching idolatry in any environment that that might be. And so I'm convicted that because worship is a response to truth, then it's my, it's my responsibility to steward that calling and to present truth. So in a student Mm. environment, it's the same exact thing as I would do at my church. We're going to start service in a very uncool way in in the general scheme. And we're going to open scripture and we're going to remind ourselves of the truths of God. And then we're going to respond to it. There's a big emphasis, even at camps, you know, of like a countdown into a really massive song, but (laughs) it's hard it's really hard. It, like Because of that, some people are like, the first song is just hype and it's a throwaway song. But I just disagree with that. I, and I yeah. have, I've grown convictions about that. I think, sure, do a countdown. That's great. It, it defines the beginning of your service. Yeah. But open the word, because if you're not opening the word, you're not responding to anything yet. And that's why a lot of times people say it's a throwaway song, because like maybe the first song, it might unpack it may unpack what people should respond to. And so the second song they're responding to it or Mm. (laughs) a lot of hype songs This spoiler alert for people who haven't read the lyrics of a lot of hype (laughs) songs, they don't say anything. And so it's a throwaway song because you've picked a really bad song. (laughs) Mm. 
And so, so I, I just, I think because there's no junior Holy Spirit and because worship is a response to truth, I think truth has to be presented for people to respond to, or they're not going to worship. And that's in any, that's in any environment. Man, I appreciate your, your thoughts there. And so truth either straight from opening God's word to begin or making sure that the songs you choose are communicating clear truth and giving people an opportunity to respond in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would lean towards the first option of, of opening the word. It's the well that we draw from. And if you as a worship leader don't know your own theology, then you might, you need to learn that (laughs) Mm. and you need to get in environments where you can learn that. I think even in picking songs and picking sets, like I, I, a challenge that I would put out is tell the whole gospel. I think Jesus needs to die and he needs to raise again in your sets Hmm. because that's the whole gospel. Uh, He's not still dead. He had to die for a reason and he's not still dead. Therefore he rose again and his resurrection, there are implications of that in our lives. And so, you know, you don't have to unpack it all necessarily, but I think you need to acknowledge that that's what happened because Hmm. the resurrection of Jesus is what separates him from all other gods. And I'm putting, air quotes, right. if, yeah. if this isn't a video that people can see, um, <laughs> putting air quotes around God's because it's, it is what separates him and, and makes him the one true savior for us. And the one who secures our hope of redemption and restoration, the one who gives us, you know, this, these realities provide faith in the moment and hope for the future. And yeah. I think that true worship is discipleship among the believers in the room. And it's evangelistic among those who are not yet believers because they look around and they see like, Oh my goodness, Mm. all these people, they're agreeing on the same things and they believe the same things. It, it makes it contemplative. And when you, when you address sin, you have to address the cross. And when you address the love of God, you need to address how he demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You've got to address the whole picture of these themes for it to be contemplative and worshipful. I believe. Yeah. Man, I think it's interesting the way that you say, hey, the worship is both discipleship for the believers in the room and evangelism for those who are not believers. I don't think there would be many who have thought about worship or spend time thinking through how can this worship moment be evangelistic. Yeah. And what you're and I love that. And what you're what you're talking about is having the intentionality of saying, okay, if we're going to gather in this moment and this is what we're going to do, then let's tell a story with this moment. Like let's tell the gospel story with the songs that we choose, with the elements that we have right now. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man. I think there's power in story. I think there's power in narrative. The whole gospel is a narrative. And what we try to do is we try to fight for the narrative that trumps all narratives of people that come into the room. We can't fix problems necessarily at church or in these environments, but we can offer proper perspective in whatever situation that comes in the room. Like if Jesus really is a great high priest who understands our weakness and has overcome it, then we need to present Jesus to our people so that, you know, if somebody, if somebody just had, you know, the biggest raise or they got the the job they've been waiting for, or, 
you know, the quarterback of the team in a student context uh, just got a, he, he had the best game of his life and there was a game winning drive and they won the, the state championship against the rival and they were underdogs. That quarterback in our worship service needs to be reminded of the perspective that Jesus is even better than that. Mm. And the other kid who just lost their mom, a tragic car accident, you know, just to put it in a ground level scenario, they need to understand in our worship services that Jesus can relate uh, to their pain as well. And that Jesus is still good in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. Um, your, your songs don't have to unpack everything, but they need to give perspective to all things. And I think Jesus is the only one who can do that. I've just, I've been a part of too many of these environments where the whole purpose of gathering is to, to offer a safe alternative to the students. And you think that the way to provide a safe alternative is to match entertainment from culture, but do it in a Jesus-y way inside. And our culture will win 100% of the time because they have all the resources to do that. Yeah. Our culture doesn't need another alternative of entertainment. Our culture is lacking the gospel. And if we're not discipling our students and shaping desires of our students, then we're only helping the culture because we're not giving yeah. We're not right. we're not fueling them with what they need to take into the culture to shape and change the culture. And I think that, that that's why we've got to be I'll say it this way. Our students, our people generally in church, we don't have a we don't have a hunger problem. We have a diet problem. <laughs> mm. We've got to shape appetites. And we yeah. do that, we do that with the intentionality with scripture. So we've we've talked a lot about what the students kind of or people in general, but for our audience here, what students take in during a worship environment, how they participate and the story that they're being told and yeah, those kinds of things. What about from a leadership standpoint from, from students specifically that say like, Hey, I am, I'm interested in doing this. So, so your story sports doing those music started to become a passion. And so that's where you, that's where you dove in. Yeah. What about those students in the audience who are like, man, this is God is moving in my heart to be involved in this from a playing standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, how do you connect those students to leading of worship? Yeah. Yeah. So my story is very much um, I'm a product of someone believing in me. And it was our, our student pastor at the time, Colin Mann, who's now the pastor at uh, Central Baptist Church in Martin. So shout out to those guys. Love it. Um, I was at a, at a weekend event. The Lord was working on my heart. Uh, I didn't tell anybody that I felt called to the ministry or felt called to lead worship in any way. But I did feel this overwhelming sense of, Brett, you're going to do this one day. Mm. And it didn't make any sense because this event was bigger than my small hometown. And so um, it was a little bit weird and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't know how to dream that big. 
Hmm. Um, but on the way home, our student pastor, I think he was just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in his own life. And he came up to me and said, hey, I'm wanting to expand our student worship experience. And he said it in those terms, but um, I, uh, I want you to play. I want you to think about playing guitar for me or with me. Cause he was one of those, like he would, pre- he would lead the worship and then he would preach, you yeah. know, put There's the a guitar lot of guys down, who do pick that. up the yeah. Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I told him no. And I told him no for months. Like I was not going to do it. So I ran from it for the longest time. And, um, but then I finally said yes. And then like the Lord would have it that like four months later he resigned. And then it was like, I was the worship leader. So mm. it was kind of a weird change, chain of events. But I look back on that and I think like one, there was a leader in my life who believed in um, discipleship just generally. He just believed in discipleship. He believed in giving opportunities. He also was really good at offering the gift of belief to me. And I mean that Mm -hmm. in the sense of like he would encourage and his encouragement empowered me to even fail in front of people if it meant growth, if that makes sense. So like it was yeah. never, I'm going to make you fail and be a distraction, but I'm going to allow you to do things that stretch you to where you're not going to execute it like I will, but you'll have to execute it or it won't get done. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so there was some good accountability within it. Um, and so uh, translating that to now, like I think, um, you have to have somebody in a leadership position who's offering the gift of belief to the students and providing opportunities that match their gift of belief within the students. So like right now, Larry Davis is our student pastor. He believes in the students and he's offering so many opportunities from like, I mean, I know this is in a worship sense, but like from missions to servant serving Wednesday and all this stuff. But, but he also believes in the student ministry team. One of the ways that we're, we're actually working on that now is, providing people from our Sunday morning team to provide like this more of a fuller sound, I guess, on Wednesdays. But then Braden Benz, who leads our students, he's he's meeting with students on Wednesdays and like prepping them and mm. uh, getting them rehearsed and whatnot for Wednesday night. So I think I think the big thing is just having opportunities to offer and it and it just requires a leader. Yeah, I think an overlooked position is the tech team. Um, and John Hogan is crushing that, uh, right now at our, our church. We've even had one morning, um, where our Sunday morning service was ran by a whole booth full of students, which is Mm -hmm. amazing. So like you kind of build your, (laughs) this is baseball terms. You build your farm system within your church through your student ministry, and you're able to train and equip and mold and shape your people uh, to then like one day I'm going to, I'm going to hand off the keys to somebody, uh, for journey worship co and the worship pastor at the church. And I need to be, I mean, that person might be 13 years old today. They may be 15, but either way, they're like in our student ministry, I believe. And so I've got to be working through like how, uh, who is it that I can just, it's just, you know, it's simple for a leader to say, like, I believe that you could do this. And we're going to give you opportunities to learn how. I think, man, that student pastor, and you know, we're talking about worship specifically, but being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to call 
something out, like in a positive way Yeah, in people in their group and saying, Hey, I think this is something that you can do. Let's yeah. talk about that. It's so crucial. You, you hear stories like that all the time about people who their student pastor specifically said, Hey, I see this in you. And it made a huge difference in their discipleship. Yeah. But you have to know people in order to like, you have to be in relationship with people in order to be able to discern those things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with Colin to me was like, he was kind of like the big brother to all of my brothers and sister and I. Um, and so he was just heavily invested in our family uh, specifically. So like he, he just knew, he knew us. He knew that I was a, kind of the closet guitar player. I didn't really tell anybody about it because growing up where there's just sports and hunting and fishing, like if you play guitar, you get looked at a little bit weird. Uh, and so, so like he just, you know, it was as simple as him saying, I need help. And I'd love, I think that you can do it. And it was like, the Lord used that. I ran again for like, I think it was like six months. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. But I mean, it changed my, it literally changed my life. I'm a worship pastor today because he asked me to play acoustic guitar in the student ministry. And so, um, I think, yeah, too often we, um, we make it something that the students seek out. And a lot of times, I mean, I don't know if, if, if us three walked through this, uh, like how did we get into the ministry? There was probably someone that called each of us out along the way at some point. And it, I mean, I know I've, I've been called out multiple times just to like stay the course. Mm. Um, but I think God uses leaders in our lives to affirm and empower uh, what becomes really a calling on our life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I want to leave uh, with this, with one more question and it would be like for you to address student pastors specifically who, you know, the majority of churches are ones who may not have a worship person. That's like the full-time worship person that does student. They like, they have a worship person for the church, but the student ministry doesn't really have a lot of resources uh, in terms of worship team and things like that. What would you tell the, the youth pastor who's listening to this and is like, man, I really want to begin to shape our student worship environment with some of these things that you've been talking about, but I'm not musically gifted. I've got three students and a volunteer who are like up there doing their best what would you tell them to kind of take some steps in implementing some of the things that you've talked about? I would first say, I mean, this is like coming from the, like you got, you have no resources and really nobody that yeah. has is called to it or whatever. You're not, they're not paid people. You're, you're scratching the bottom of the barrel. I would say, I mean, a worship culture, one worship generally uh, is not just singing. And I, and I like, I've got that kind of a pet peeve of like, I think there's, there's almost within the church, this pastor versus worship pastor, uh, (laughs) uh, battle of like, he, he's the worship guy. And then we preach and he opens for the message and all those stuff, but that's not, (laughs) that's not true. It's all worshipful in in that sense. But I think, uh, I think worship for the student pastor. Now I've told a couple of students, I've like over the years, I've told a few past student pastors, this the student pastor is the biggest influencer of worship in the room. 
because your students are looking at you to see how mm. to posture themselves in worship. You make a big, if I'm leading, it doesn't matter if I'm on stage, they're looking at you and seeing how you respond. So your mm. believability is what really shapes your students response to worship. Cause if you don't look like you believe, if you're just critiquing everything, then they're going to critique everything. Yeah, if your hands are in good. your pockets, then your students are not going to see a reason to be expressive in their worship, which that, that gets into this whole other, like the conversation that we're not having of like emotion and expression and all that stuff and what leads right. to it. And if it's false and human initiated and all that stuff, and we won't get into all that, but I'm just saying like your students pick up more from you than you think that they do. Um, so that's one, but, but two within your worship services on Wednesdays, I would say uh, there's so many resources online and we just came out of COVID where they're like, and some people may still be in this online service, but either way, people learned to, to interact with truth online. That's what churches yeah. were doing. And so don't be afraid to, um, to pick songs that are, vi that have videos around them or even just an audio, but read scripture and guide, like be the worship leader be the worship leader. And then you've got a bunch of different artists that are, I say, you know, artists in a, again, with air quotes, but sure. You've got, you've got different worship teams leading your people with truthful songs that you pick. And so I think you can use some, there's so many resources. I mean, we have a couple I'll, I'll plug journey worship code. Cause I believe in the songs and, yeah, man. and we, the purpose of doing videos is because you believe in the songs and you want to lead people across the world. And um, so I would say you can, you can, it's going to require some effort and some intentionality, but you can read your scripture, play the song and have the lyrics on a screen. And if it's not about a person and it's about content, then let content drive what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you, as the pastor of your students, you get to pick the content that's shaping your people. And so that's a really quick and like, you could literally, it today we're recording. It's a Monday. You could do that by Wednesday. Mm. Uh, if you just make the quick change, you know, find some scripture that's gospel centered Ephesians one, Ephesians two, uh, Philippians two, like you, you could rattle off some that's just like super gospel centered text and then respond to it with some songs, uh, via, uh, you know, YouTube or whatever it might be. But then I would say you could also, be intentional to see what what students you think might be interested in it. Like, don't be afraid to ask because I'm always of the of the belief of like, I'm I'm gonna ask anything. And some people might think, well, what if they say no? But I'm always like, but what if they say yes? <laughs> <laughs> so so like ask somebody, uh, you know, hey, would this be something that you'd be interested in? I'd love for you, maybe give them a date to look forward to so that they could prep and plan. And then there's other conferences and, um, and events that you could bring. Maybe you invest, like if there's somebody that you believe in, you can invest in a student and take them to a conference um, or take them to a church of a worship pastor that you believe in and message the worship pastor and see if you can meet with them and just talk to them. And you're sometimes you have to take the step for your student to grow and I mean yeah. that in the sense of like, if there's a worship pastor that you uh, would love for your student to to learn from, 
message them, email them, see if you could figure out a date where you can go to their church, maybe experience a worship service or be a part of a student service gathering, and then have lunch with the worship pastor and just let the worship pastor help you and your discipleship of your student. Um, an encouragement from someone they look up to just goes a long way. So there's that. I, I rattled a few uh, good, thoughts, man. but I appreciate that so much. <clears throat> and uh, it's a lot of wisdom in there for people uh, who are minds have, have sparked some new thoughts perhaps about worship in uh, as they've listened to this. So I said, that was the last question. I do have one more. Um, this is kind of, if you're not listening to this podcast, when it was, re- when it releases and you're listening to it, like way later, this isn't going to, there's going to be a spoiler already, but is Jose Akendo going to be the next manager of the Cardinals? Or do you, do you have another pick you think it's going to go towards? All right. This is what I wish that they would do. Let's and hear it. A lot, a lot of Cardinals fans are going to probably be like, some are going to say that's a terrible idea. And others will say, that's not a bad idea. I'm curious what you say. Okay. Interim next year and then give it to Yachty. Okay. <laughs> after, after he retires and after yes. next year. Just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I would be, I would be open to that. I don't know who you, you've got to have an interim that would be able to say like, yeah, I'll do it for a year and keep it under wraps. <laughs> That's true. Now, nah, just say but, it. Just be like, hey, look, this interim is going to be Yachty's assistant. I, that's obviously this is like this is not in any world that it would actually happen. But I don't, I'm a Yachty hey, fan. I love Yachty. I, I am, too. I would uh, I would be totally I would be totally OK with that. I actually I wanted to name our second kid Yachty, uh, but my wife wasn't down with that. So we named him Griffey. So, okay. <laughs> so there's the story there. It was either Yachty, Ozzy, or Griffey. And she just couldn't get down with either Yachty or Ozzy for different reasons. And so she was like, I, we'll take Griffey. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, you got, you got a, a great one there too, for sure. Yes. Well, Brett, thanks for spending time with us, man. Uh, especially on uh, a little bit of time off that you're taking. We appreciate you so much and uh, yeah. appreciate partnering in ministry with you and, and, how you've poured into youth pastors today. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I hope that, I hope that something was helpful that was said. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, we'll be right back after this quick message. I want to take just a quick second to tell you about summer camp. I hope you love it. We love summer camp around here. And uh, if you've enjoyed listening to Brett Perkins on this podcast and, uh, kind of identify with his approach to worship, then would love for you to check out the camps that he is leading for us, both at Student Life and Fuge Camps. You can find out more information at fugecamps.com and studentlife.com. Of course, we have multiple worship leaders, speakers, locations that you can check out. I am confident that one of those between Student Life and Fuge can fit your needs for camp. We'd love to serve you this summer through summer camp. So again, fugecamps.com or studentlife.com and you can find what you're looking for there. And we're back. Nathan, what do you think, man? What are what are your big takeaways from uh from our time with Brett today? Yeah, I thought it was really good stuff. I think the big takeaway for me is cuz I kind of have the same thing, but I think it's important that students see each other worshiping 
together in sometimes those only in students environments. But I also think at the same time, don't completely trade that 100% of the time. I think it's really important, just what Brett said, that students see their parents worshiping. They see other adults. It goes back to what we've said over and over, you know, that they need those mentors in their life at different stages in life to see them faithfully walking with Christ. And I think worship is a huge component of that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think like we would definitely not say at the exclusion of corporate full church worship, should there be a student worship service? I think there's some unhealthy things that can get wrapped up in that, like we talked Mm -hmm. about in the podcast, but there is also value in having that student time carved out as well. Man, I think for me, one of the things that stood out is the doing hard things are easier to do together Mm -hmm. and how worshiping alongside your peers can help you get a grasp of that can be part of your discipleship process to say, Hey, we're all in this together, so to speak. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think that's a great way to say it. And then just, I love, I love the way that Brett thinks about worship and leading worship and articulates worship. The it's, is, it is a response to truth and that can be both evangelistic and discipleship at the same mm-hmm. time for people. So, man, I really appreciate that insight a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It, it is, a, I think, a great perspective for a student pastor to even have that mentality too in there. Cause a lot of times we, we're constantly wanting students to bring friends. And I think sometimes we're like, okay, we're doing the big event. Let's bring them to this. But, you know, we want students to bring them to the day in and the day out that other students who aren't Christians yet need to see students live in life, you know, through the tragedy and through the joys. And I think that can do that if your student worship service is designed around, hey, these songs are going to proclaim Christ in an evangelistic sense. And they're also going to disciple through the students who are in the room. So, yeah, I totally agree. That was a great perspective from him on that. Yeah, for sure. Again, if you want to find out more about uh, Brett's ministry there, Journey Worship Co., is what they release their worship uh, under. So you can find that out wherever you get digital music. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you next time.